I would like to dedicate this podcast for the ascension of the soul of my father, Aaron ben Menachem Mendel Goodman, Zechrono Livracha, Lilun Nishmat Avi Mori, Aaron ben Menachem Mendel, Zechrono Livracha. Make for me a sanctuary so that I may dwell within them. Exodus chapter 25. The Shalom, the great work of modern Hasidut, asks the following question. Why is it that the commandment of building a sanctuary, the Mishkan, occupies such an important part of the Torah? Almost five whole Torah readings are dedicated to the commandment of building it, its planning and the implementation of both the outer structure and the vessels that it contained. And the whole book of Leviticus is almost entirely occupied with the work that was carried out within the Mishkan. Why is it so important? We also need to ask the question, was the commandment of the Mishkan just relevant for the generation of the wilderness who were commanded it? Or is this actually relevant for all of us, for all generations? The Nativot Shalom answers these questions. Just as the whole Torah itself is beyond human understanding, as all of it hints towards the higher worlds from which it comes down to this world, so it is with the Mishkan. The Mishkan is in fact a map of the higher worlds. Indeed, the great Kabbalist, Rabbi Moshe Chaim Lutzato, known as the Ramachal, wrote a work called Mishkanot Elyonim, where he actually looks at the structure of the Mishkan and explains the connection with the Sfirot and the higher worlds. To us this may sound a bit remote, but we need to remember two things. Firstly, the higher worlds are not elements occupying some spatial realm in some other dimension, but they are in fact aspects of consciousness which are accessed by the human being through our work in Torah and Mitzvot when we are in affinity form with the Creator. And the second thing we need to remember is is that the Zohar teaches us that the Holy Blessed One, the Torah, and the essence of the soul are in fact all one essence. So the structure of the Mishkan, as it describes, is in fact the same structure of the soul. And it describes ways in which we can come closer to God in service through the 248 limbs and 365 sinews of the body and soul that are equivalent to the 248 positive commands and the 365 negative commands of the mitzvot. It is through this fulfillment of the purpose of the soul that we can come to fulfill the desire of God, make for me a sanctuary, so that I may dwell within them. Rabbi Baruch Shalom Ashlag, in his talks on the weekly Torah readings, writes as follows. This verse refers to the point of holiness within the heart, that is to say the soul, which needs to be a place of sanctuary for the light of God to dwell therein. This is the force of the words of the scripture that says, make for me a sanctuary that I may dwell within them. This teaches us that the commandment of building a sanctuary for God, which was first enacted in the wilderness in practice in the building of the Mishkan, is indeed a commandment which was not just for that time and place, 
but is a commandment that is eternal, just as the whole of the Torah is eternal and is for all time. So it applies as much to us today as it did then in the wilderness. How can we make such a sanctuary for God today? Rabasha continues, The inner building needs to be fitting for the highest light, so that the highest light can enter into it. This highest light is the goodness of God that he bestows on the created beings. God is the giver from whom the created beings receive. This desire of the Creator to give of his goodness is constant, eternal and never changes. So we need to ask, since that is so, why is it that we as the created beings do not always feel God's goodness? The reason is, is that the flow of goodness from the Creator to the created beings depends on there being affinity of form between the giver and the one who receives. Otherwise, the receiver simply cannot receive God's goodness. What that means to say in practice is that the one who receives God's goodness must have a similar intention of benefiting others so that he receives in a way which is similar to God who only has the intention of doing good. So, in relationship to the Creator, we need to receive God's goodness only because it is His will that we do so or because through our receiving we can benefit our fellow man. Thus the scripture says, make me a sanctuary. This action of making the sanctuary falls on us, on the created beings. For the light belongs to the creator, but making the appropriate vessels for the light belongs to the created beings. And since the human is the pinnacle of the created beings, this role falls to us. And then the scripture, and then he will bless you in all that you do, from Deuteronomy chapter 15, will be fulfilled. The goodness of God, which is the light, is the blessing, and that comes to us from God according to our actions. These actions encompass the fulfilling of the mitzvot of God between man and God and between man and our fellow that are carried out with love and unconditionally, without looking out for our own self-benefit. Even when we cannot see or feel God or understanding the meaning of the actions or see any gain from them, we can still carry them out in faith. This is the inner meaning of we will do and we will listen. For only through the carrying out of the commandments, first in faith, without understanding, can we come to the light of God, which is understanding? Doing the work of God in faith is called Machut Shamayim, accepting the sovereignty of heaven. In practice, that means accepting the governance of the Holy Blessed One upon us in our daily lives, rejoicing in every act with which he brings us closer to him, and allowing the consideration of whether any act we are about to do will bring us into affinity of form with him, or, God forbid, would separate us from him, and allowing that consideration to guide our decisions. 
This is the essence of the Mishkan, the sanctuary within us, in which the Creator can dwell within us. In the very consciousness that a person has rectified that he does not want to be separated from the Holy One. There the Holy One is revealed within the center of our being, our soul. So the physical manifestation of the Mishkan is actually a roadmap for the desire and fulfillment of the soul. In the physical manifestation of the building of the Mishkan in the wilderness, all sorts of material were used in its construction gold, silver, copper, red skins of rams, oil for illumination. All have their spiritual equivalents in the tikkun of the soul of man. Within the Mishkan itself, there are the vessels, the Ark of the Covenant, the table, the altars and the lamp. And these all have their spiritual equivalents that constitute the Mahut Shamayim. The Ark of the Covenant also called the Ark of Testimony, implies the union of the Holy Blessed One with the soul, both for the individual and for the collective soul called the Shekhinah. The covenant is represented by the Svirah Yisod, which is Zerampin, and therefore represents also the Holy Blessed One. And the Ark is the aspect of the Malchut, or the Shekhinah. Each Shabbat, when we take the Sefer Torah out, we say the verse, Vayhi bin Soa Ha'aron, and when the Ark travelled. The Holy Zohar explains the travelling of the Ark as the covenant between the Holy Blessed One and the soul, which manifests according to three lines. The right-hand line, the left-hand line, and the middle line. The right-hand line is the aspect of our faith in God, that he is the master of the world and there is none other than him. When we are associated with the right-hand line of consciousness, we feel joyful because we have faith, which does not change, no matter what things look like, that all is well. In this consciousness we include ourselves. We give thanks for every little aspect of spirituality that God merits us with. And we're grateful for it, even if it's only a tiny bit. The left-hand line is the line of truth. It's in the left-hand line that we see the true bitterness of how separated we are in reality from the Holy Blessed One. This true seeing is very hard for us. To really look truthfully means overcoming a lot of feelings like guilt, denial and shame. Actually, the more we work to be in the joy of the right-hand line most of the time and to feel that with all our hearts, no matter what happens, not to lose touch with our inner joy, the easier it becomes to look clearly in the left-hand line without denial. Seeing our lacks enables prayer to well up from the depth of our heart. We pray to God to help us come closer to him. It is when we tread both of these lines of consciousness that the third line, the line of Rachamim, the line of compassion, arises. And this is the grace of the revelation of God within our lives. And this is the inner meaning of the travelling of the Ark of the Covenant. 
These three lines are also hinted at within the actual construction of the arc, as it was made up of three components, one within the other. The Caporet This was the cover for the arc made of pure gold. On the Caporet stood two Chirubim. The Chirubim spread their wings upwards. The Caporet's significance is that of cleanliness. For the word kaporet is related to the word kippur, which means atonement, to clean from one's will to receive oneself alone, and to desire to cleave again to the Creator. That is to say, through the fact that a person longs to join with the Creator and has longing for Him, but he sees that God is not manifest to him, then he realizes that all is not well within him and then he needs to clean himself from his own selfishness so that he may, that he may join with the Creator. The Baal Salam asked the question, what is the difference between a great person and a lesser person? Contrary to what we may think, a great person who one is one who sees the evil within him more clearly. A lesser person does not see what's wrong with him, he thinks he's fine. Only a person who truly longs to connect with the Creator begins to see the evil, the dirt within himself, and then he longs to clean himself of it. Only then can he become a true vessel for the manifestation of the light of God, as evidenced by the Ark of the Covenant. The Cherubim On the Kapoet stood the two Cherubim. Rashi comments that they had faces like babies. They stood facing each other, one on the right and one on the left. These symbolize the work of the right-hand side and the left-hand side. The face of the small child symbolizes that each day a person should begin his spiritual work again anew. Our day starts by saying, Mode Ani. Mode Ani Lefanecha Melechai Vekayam Shechazarta Binishmati Vechemla Rabba Emunotecha. I give thanks to you, O living and existing King that you restored back my soul in mercy. Great is your faith. A person needs to recall that he himself is actually made from dust and he's given the opportunity to connect with the master of the universe, the channel for all goodness. So the fact that he's given this opportunity to have contact with the creator should give him tremendous joy. This joy one needs to build every day new. Each day we need to start out again afresh. Likewise, the aspect of the left-hand side. A person needs to build this each day anew. The left-hand side is the side of criticism. The Baal Sulam recommended up to half an hour a day to fix time. A person needs to take a look at himself critically. What does this criticism consist of? We need to think. What do I want to achieve in my relationship with God today? What virtues and behaviours do I aspire to today? Can I feel today the love of friends, the love of the Creator? And to pray for that we see we lack. The faces of the cherubim, being that of a small child, also hints to us that with respect to God, we need to feel like a small child, and we accept His divine providence as being the best possible for us. The wings of the cherubim were spread upwards. Rabbi Baruch Ashlag said that that denotes a covering. In the future to come, there will no longer be concealment of the light of God, 
but for those who want to serve God in faith. They spread their wings up to renew their right-hand line and their left-hand line each day on the foundation of the kaporet, cleaning themselves from their will to receive from themselves alone. They understand that the fact that God hides himself from us is in fact the best way for us to progress because that way there is no selfish love involved and thus they can serve God with faith, joy and in love. So, when we pray for the restoration of the temple, first we need to pray for the restoration of the temple within us, for the actualization of the potential of our soul, that we may become a fitting receptacle for the light of God, and then the outward manifestation of the temple will follow. May it come speedily, and may our eyes behold the Redeemer come unto Zion. Amen. audio recording is brought to you from Nahora School, established by Yadida Cohen for the study of the Kabbalah as taught by Rabbi Yehudalev Ashlag. Studies with Yadida Cohen are available through the Nahora School online. Details at www.nahoraschool.com or www.nahorapress.com.